Welcome back. I am A.B. Ridgeway, a.k.a. Mr. Christian Finance, the host of Financial Advisors, say the darndest things in my mom's favorite Christian Financial Advisor. As always, make sure that you subscribe so you're notified every time that we release new episodes. And be sure to like and comment on this episode. It really helps with the podcast so we can continue to make great episodes for you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I have a very, and I mean very, special guest for you today. This guest has been on our show before and literally changed the mindsets of thousands of listeners, including mine. And many of the inspirational quotes and ideas stemmed from our first episode with her. And there is no doubt that her presence today will bless this show again. She is the author of over 41 books, which have reminded a generation of parents of the importance of having life conversations with their kids, titles such as talking about personal privacy, let's swim safely, let's break bad habits, and some of her newest books, don't read this book in the Courage Club. She literally has a library of titles you can choose from to open the conversation with your children. And today she is going to discuss how she went from being a Harvard graduate to writing children's books, the importance of gratitude, and will revisit the pleasure ladder that will help you see life for what it is an opportunity to become one again with God. The guest that needs no introduction, but she deserves one nonetheless, Bracca Getz. How are you doing, Bracca? That was amazing. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Well, Great. thank you. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you coming on. We have a good history, right? We've been connected since our last episode a lot has happened i have been following your journey i have been very inspired and bronca has believe it or not listeners built a relationship with my mom who i am her favorite financial advisor <laughs> but um bronca maybe just talk a little bit about that relationship your mother is uh, what can i say a shining star I mean, you know, after I connected with you, I was blessed to connect with her. And I see, you know, there's the expression, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I understand how you became such an extraordinary person since I have been connecting with your extraordinary mother. Well, thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. And and I think this kind of leads into our first topic, uh, scarcity versus abundance. Right. Because I think a lot of individuals feel that happiness and joy come from this abundance and that scarcity is something should be feared. I don't really feel like these concepts are scary concepts in and of themselves because scarcity from things that are harmful is actually good. I mean, who wants an abundance of murder and, and, and lies and cheating? Nobody wants an abundance of those things. We want scarcity and nobody wants um scarcity when it comes to love and appreciation and gratitude so so these terms in and of themselves to to me don't really mean good or bad but i want to talk to you more about your ideology around scarcity and abundance and how you relate that in your life yes we there is a voice inside our heads all day long getting us to focus on what we're lacking this is a natural thing. It's implanted in all of us. What are we missing? What are we lacking? And we have to put energy in to overriding that voice to focus on what we have. This is really the secret to wealth. We have a saying in the Talmud, who is rich? Those who are happy with what they have. That's a rich life. So this voice that's implanted in all of us, it goes on all day long. It gets us to focus on scarcity. What are you missing? What are you lacking? And what I didn't realize, actually, this it's the, the new book, Don't Read This Book, is about this voice. I worked on this book for 30 years. I, I, and I wrote some of it, then I wrote more of it, and it wasn't ready to give to children. It wasn't ready. Something was missing. 
somehow it was a scary kind of voice in my head until last year when I realized that voice inside of all of us, it's also put there by the Almighty. It's put inside of us to override it. It's one of those weights that we have to lift up and off of us. And when we do that, each time we lift it off, we grow our gratitude muscles by lifting it off. So it's there, that voice telling you, you're missing that, you're missing this, you're lacking that. It's for our benefit. It's natural to have those feelings. And we are here to work on building gratitude. That's really our purpose for being here, too, to develop and recognize the abundance in this world. There's an abundance of blessings happening in every single person's life, every moment. But it's natural for us to be focusing on what we're missing. You know, I think that's very important, you know, in business, we talk about key performance indicators, right? KPIs. What are you judging as progress or success in your business? And I think a lot of businesses fail within the first five years, not necessarily just because of cash flow, but cash flow is, is a major part of it. But they're not understanding what their KPIs are. So for me, transforming lives is a key performance indicator, meaning how many lives have I touched? How many financial plans have I made? And how many smiles have I received from the work that I've done? Now, that is my key performance indicator. So if somebody tries to say, well, I made more money than you, then I'll say, that's not my key performance indicator. And I think we need to look inside ourselves and say, what are we doing in our lives that make our lives worth living? Not necessarily what we see out on TV or, oh, they have five cards. It's like, well, is that really an in, a performance indicator for you? Is the value of your life tied to how many cars that you have? Is it tied to how many shoes or how big your house is? If it is, then maybe that's something you need to focus on. But as you talked about in the pleasure ladder, which we'll talk about later, there are levels to these ideas of want. And we're going to get to those that create happiness because it's not the number of cars. It's the perceived happiness that are attached to those cars. A lot of people think I'm happy because of the job I do. Well, if I'm a financial advisor, I'll be happy. If I have a wife and four kids, I'll be happy. No, I'm happy because I'm happy. I just happen to be a financial advisor. I just happen to have a wife with four kids. Happiness has to come with inside. And we're going to talk about that pleasure ladder. But I want to talk about that entitlement versus that gratitude you brought up. Can we talk more about gratitude? And as you said in Talmud, it's about how are we going to show gratitude for what we have so we can be wealthy? There is so much of a sense of entitlement nowadays, and that leads us to take things for granted. Of course, I'm entitled to this or I'm entitled to that, but really every single thing is a gift. What are we entitled to? Everything we get is a blessing. And when we recognize that, that changes our whole perspective. So we're grateful for everything that we get. If we have, if we put on the glasses of gratitude, we see things in a totally different way than the sense, the glasses of entitlement. Every single thing is, it's not coming to us. It's, we are here to experience gratitude. That is our purpose for being here. It's I think you hit it right on the nail because think about it. Years ago, kings, kings who were over nations didn't have air conditioner. Yes. <laughs> they didn't exactly. have washing machines. You know, yes. being grateful that you don't have to live in the desert of Arizona at 110 degrees without some type of uh, indoor plumbing or, you know, some way to cool down that generations people have to suffer in those times so we should be grateful that we don't have to do it. and it's not it's like you said before it's not an entitlement we're not entitled to have weather protection <laughs> you know we're not entitled to have a vehicle we're not entitled to have any anything in our lives but right. god provides it for us so we can live life more abundantly but then also understand that if we focus on what we have we don't worry about think about this way if we didn't have air conditioner and it wasn't invented, we still would be living. 
there's, there's people thousands and thousands of years who survived without air conditioning. And I'm surviving without some future invention that hasn't been around yet. How do we live without cell phones? Well, we talk to people. We called people up on our landlines. We made a way. And I think a lot of our listeners need to understand that is that when it comes to gratitude, we don't need to be entitled. We need to be grateful for what we have and work with what we have and thank God that we have it in our life to work with. So let's make a little transition here to teaching children early. So what I love about children's books, my wife, she writes a children's book called Tears of Solves It. Um, and you've written over 41 books and, and probably more at this point here. But let's focus on why children. So why are you trying to get to children at such an early age as opposed to writing books for adults? Exactly. Exactly for the reasons we just discussed in implant this in children from the very beginning of life, that there's an abundance in this world that, and in planting the seeds of gratitude early on, if the earlier you can begin building those gratitude muscles, the better, that's the more joyful life. When you teach these concepts to children, you are implanting them right into their soul. And they can absorb it so readily. So children, it's, it's, it's the best people to reach. And the thing about children's books, every single age reads the children's books because the parents are reading it with the children. Grandparents are reading it. And even I found out that teenagers, they pick up the books when no one's around and they get the messages too. So this is the way to reach everybody. And the more joyfully that you can express these ideas, the more readily they're absorbed. That's beautiful. And, and you brought up a concept too about the seeds of gratitude. Our last conversation, which I, I enjoyed, we talked about the infinite power of fruits, right? We talked about the seeds and how you can plant the seeds and then it grows into a tree where it's so big, you can't eat all of it. You have to give it away, right? It's like God is, is, has created its infinite power in these fruits and vegetables that are heal our bodies and not yes. hurt our bodies. We, yes. I think we made the joke last time is you can't plant a Snickers bar into the ground and make a Snickers tree full of candy yes. and Halloween candy. Yes. Doesn't happen that way. But God's truth and his, his life is in the fruits that are, are made to heal us and make us better. So I think this is a great transition into the pleasure ladder. So Yay. can you, can we talk about where, food and and like food addictions and things fall on the pleasure ladder and how are the the different rings so we can get to the top um yeah and, and experience true happiness yes here we go the pleasure ladder okay so the lowest level are all the natural physical pleasures like you mentioned an orange it's it's the perfect example my favorite example because as you know it's got the the wrapper that keeps the juiciness in for months, that sweet juiciness, as opposed to the orange flavored tangy taffy where it, it just pollutes the environment, you know? So we got this with the seeds of eternity inside. It's so designed with infinite intelligence and infinite loving kindness for us to enjoy. So is music, being in nature, you know, uh, movement, exercise, moving our bodies. Our, our bodies are designed to move. And so this, these five levels, they correspond to the five levels of the human soul. And the lowest level of the soul is the part that's connected to the body. So all, so when we experience these natural physical pleasures, they nourish both our bodies and our souls. They were designed to do that. They uplift us when we enjoy them with gratitude. Then both our body is nourished and our soul is nourished and we experience joy. So um, what happens with an addiction is that people get stuck there from a sense of scarcity when they experience pleasure from eating, it brings immediate pleasure, then they just want, if they, they're feeling there's not enough pleasure in my life, you just keep stuffing your face because you don't want the pleasure to end. That's the hardest part. It's not eating a candy bar that's the problem. 
it's eating it and eating and, and eating and keep on going because you're experiencing pleasure and you don't have a sense of abundance in your life of, of all the pleasure possible. So what, how do you actually fill up through gratitude? If you're not experienced the gratitude, then you never, you never fill up. Plus, if you're eating the addictive junk food, it's designed for you never to feel full. It's designed for you to just keep going and keep eating it so you don't have to feel bad about yourself. It's the food. You're just reacting to the food the way it's designed to have that effect on your body. So once you become aware of that, you are more, once you're educated about that, then you are more drawn to eat the natural foods that are made with loving kindness rather than greed. There are people who are greedy for money, who is customizing these foods that are not found in nature in any way. They're making these genetically made foods to make you addicted. It's not yes. that you don't have self-control. It's yes. that they're designing these foods so you can't have self-control. Yes. So, so the reason why you wake up like, I'm still hungry. I don't know why I'm hungry. I have no self-control. Stop blaming yourself and blame the food that these people are creating. And I think God wants you to be satisfied. So that's why you can't eat 20 oranges. Who sat down and ate 20 apples? Nobody, right? Yes. Because God, but guess what man does? He tries to make it into juice. Yes. He tries to strip it of all its beauty and grace and take the skin off and, yes. and take the fiber out of it and just give you the sugar to design it so you can drink more. So now you are drinking 30 and 40 apples at a time. And that's yes. not good for you. God is not designed it. So yeah, keep yes. going. I, I love this stuff. This is exactly, this is exactly. The, 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 um, it's filled with like enormous amounts, high concentrations of fat, sugar, and salt that are never found in nature. And what do they take out? They take out the fiber, they take out the nutrients, they take out the water content all the stuff that's good for us and they put in the, the garbage that's not good for us. And you know what? I, some people say to me sometimes, but don't I deserve a treat sometimes? And I'm like, wait a minute, are you saying you deserve junk? You are <laughs> junk and you deserve junk. No, you are something great. You deserve great food. Yeah. You deserve the loving, the food that's made with loving kindness, with infinite wisdom for you to be grateful. It's food really is designed to be like medicine. We try to take God out of the picture. We try to take control, make the foods addictive in the laboratories. It's it's all about taking God out of the picture. You I know? love that. I'm going to let us get to the next level, but I love that comment. I want everybody <laughs> to hear that food that you're eating now is what happens when you take God out the equation. So yes. even in life, when you think that you're successful, the moment you take God out, you're putting the junk in. But and that's beautiful. What that's what you're filling your life with. So let's go, let's go to the next ladder, if you, if you beautiful. will. I love that. I love that. Beautiful. And I want to say something I realized recently is that these five levels, they correspond to the five fingers. Why? Because it's within our hands to bring pleasure into our life at every moment. It's totally in our power. And so love how can you say that love is in your power? You think it's dependent on somebody else. But no, even somebody in prison, in solitary confinement, can bring love into their life, focusing on, let's say, what a grandmother once did for you years ago, a kindness that can fill you with that warm, emotional feeling of encouragement that that love brings, love is connection. So the lowest level, we're connecting to a physical, natural thing. On the second level, we're connecting to another. You see, like addictions, they come from estrangement, separation, loneliness, feeling disconnected. We bring pleasure into our life by connecting with gratitude to something, to another person. In other words, what we focus on the virtues of another, that's the definition of love, focusing with gratitude on another person. And higher than that is doing something meaningful in this world. We, um, whenever we do something positive and meaningful, we are connecting 
out into the world, into the community. Let's say I was on another show and 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 when I got up to this, the, the guy said he he ate two slices of pizza and he was about to plow through the rest of the box of pizza. Someone knocks on his door. It's his neighbor. He helped his neighbor for two minutes. He came back. He didn't want the pizza anymore. He put the rest in the fridge. He had filled up. He had filled himself up with that that positive feeling of doing something meaningful for another, that connection. That's it. So what's even higher than that is the zone of creativity. When we're in that zone, we don't feel like eating or sleeping. We are on such a high because we are connecting a unique part of ourselves and putting it into the world. We're sharing a part of ourselves that is so unique and beautiful that God put in us. When we're bringing it out into the world, we are on a tremendous high. You'll notice that each one is um, where we are emulating God even more closely with each step up. And the highest step is transcendence. It's unity. It's the sense of oneness. It's when it's when we transcend our own limitations. We make a crack in a bad habit. We begin to get over an addiction. We try. We do something new that we've never done before in a positive way. We make ourselves into a new person. We're transcending our limitations. And it's also when we connect, we, we, we recognize that there's source energy between all of us, source energy from the one source of the almighty that connects every single one of us. And that breaks down the limitations between us. It's like the veils of separation just fade away when we recognize the oneness. And that's the highest. They, it's the state of awe and wonder, which recently they did a study in psychology today. They said the state of awe and wonder, um, it, it produces like the most anti-inflammation chemicals in our bodies that fight off disease. It's it. It's wellness. It's joy. It's gratitude. It's the highest level of gratitude because what there's only one price to pay for each rung to experience each rung that price is gratitude that is the whole price to pay to wow. experience joy in this world that's beautiful Grat gratitude on each level so it's not that even though creativity is higher doesn't mean you can't still have gratitude for the physical things in this world or for love or for meaning that actually it's almost like gratitude transcends the pleasure ladder and yes. that in every step if we yes. show gratitude for what we have would be good in, in our last show <clears throat> creativity was mine and we we discussed this on the show or maybe we discussed it off the show um, i'll have to go re-listen to make sure but the idea i came up with was that i was having anxiety through my creativity because people want to outsource my creativity it's like oh you know i'll make this for you or hey, i'll have this you know, poster made for you or I'll have. And I was like, I don't like that. I don't like the feeling of somebody else expressing how I feel. And that was the creativity because that creativity, that be that ability to talk to great guests like you or to do my research. <laughs> I, I have a little side note here. Before I even met Braca, I did like two hours of research on who she was. I listened to her podcast. I read some of her bios and things of that nature. And I looked at my clock. I'm like, I've been here for hours. Like, uh, wow. <laughs> right. Sometimes research wow. is hard for five minutes, but wow. her spirit had permeated all those words and, and all those bios and everything that she produces that when I met her, it was almost like I was meeting a friend that had right. already known. Right. And I think yep. the idea of self-expression and being able to be your authentic self. One thing I loved about the the episode, and I want people to go listen to the episode because we have some great um, parts there. But she talked about being at the park and being inspired to write certain books and, and just writing them. And her publisher gives her that freedom to write the book. She sends it off. They do all the other stuff that you know they love to do. But she is the creative mind. She gets to, she gets to experience creativity meaning love 
physical and transcendence when she writes these books and she's able to share them. She's able to go to podcasts, to different schools, to read on her Zoom tours, which I do want to talk about our Zoom tours. Actually, that's a good little segue. Let's talk <laughs> about how you are spreading this message across there because I am I am very um, in tune with what's going on. And I'm just grateful that not only I get to experience it, but all these beautiful children that you post and in the library that you have. So can you talk about that a little more for us, please? Thank you so much. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I I speak to people all around the world from my home, <laughs> which I love. I also I, I do presentations in person, but it's been such a thrill for me to go to continents I've never actually visited myself, you know, in Australia and Asia and Africa and in Europe. I mean, I love this. So I go into classrooms and I speak to people of all different ages and people I would never, ever get to meet. So it's a big thrill for me to be spreading these essential ideas all over the world. Yeah. And, and that's beautiful. So you got a lot of things on your plate coming up. So um, a little birdie told me that you know, you're starting to write some video scripts and you have some other things that you're working on. Can you share that with the audience? You know, we know you write the children's book, but what other things are you doing um, right, you know, currently? Yeah, I was contacted to write video scripts for different organizations, which I thought I'd never done that before, but I realized it's so much like writing books. So it just came out really easily. I've been writing a lot. I've been taking scripts written for adults and changing them into, into um, accessible for children's scripts to we've created lots of videos one is called clean speech colorado which other cities across the united states and also i think in some other countries like in england i'm not sure maybe in canada they're copying it too and these videos are going all over teaching children about using positive language and not using negative language from the from really early on in life. And the videos are fantastic. They're all done through animation. I just write the scripts. Um, other organizations are contacting me. I've been writing scripts about safety in schools, unfortunately, about because I've written safety books. So I'm writing scripts about teaching children what to do in case of a lockdown. And the reason they're contacting me is because I, I know how to write about these things in a non-scary way so that children don't get frightened, but they they learn the guidelines, they learn the rules. Hard to believe that you could write about that in a cheerful way, but I actually do. Um, I, I, I even put some jokes into the scripts, but but they get the messages yeah. about how to behave in a lockdown situation. And also your book, Let's Get Healthy. I think we talked about brushing your teeth avoiding soda, you know, fun ways to address the things that parents, you know, typically need to teach their children. And I also want to take another step uh, in a, another direction here is because I feel that your library is filled with conversation starters for children. You know, as a parent myself, I have four beautiful children. They all need different types of conversation, but I have I only have one pair of beautiful parents, right? I don't have 200. And it says it takes a village. So, you know, I go through your library, you know, and I see all these great topics that I think every parent should share with their kids, how to stay healthy, how to stay safe in the lockdown, how to be courageous, you know, uh, about privacy, you know, and how to communicate. And I think these are very um, important topics. So let's talk about that a little bit for the parents who are out there who, who either have grown children or grandchildren who are, are very young, you know, their, their children are the, the new parents, right, with, with the new children, or if they have children themselves. Let's talk about that a little bit. How, what is your experience with these conversations? Why aren't people having them anymore? Um, and then what inspired you to kind of go say, hey, we can talk about social media, but let's talk about health. Let's talk about avoiding soda and brushing our teeth and, and things parents should share with children. Yeah, you know, my background, it's funny because originally, you know, as an undergraduate at Harvard, even back then, I was taking courses at the Graduate School of Public Health and at Harvard Medical School. I was always interested in public health. 
Then I went on to medical school. But so I am still incorporating this into my books because I feel if we don't have healthy bodies, our souls can't fully shine. We also need healthy bodies. It's essential. So like if I write a book, like parents contact me now to write about certain topics, like someone that knew let, uh, let's swim safely. I mean, she was seeing that too many toddlers, very serious things were happening to toddlers. It's, it's such a terrible drowning rate with toddlers. And so this was essential. So I wrote this, it's a board book. The toddlers read it and reread it and they get how to behave around a pool from really early on in life. This is so important. And it's important for the parents, of course, they're absorbing the messages, never be more than this, an arm's length away from a toddler in the pool. Never, we can't. So, and I like, let's stay safe. I, I have books all about this personal safety. It's essential for children. Don't think it's just, you know, these books teach that it's not about stranger danger, 95%. When a child gets molested, it's by someone they know. This is essential. I didn't know this when I my children were growing up. Now that I've learned this, I was I was um, directing a Big Brother Big Sister program for like twenty years. I learned a lot. I got a lot of training on keeping children safe. So this is the messages that I'm spreading. And these books, I think they're in about 150,000 homes now. It's so important. They, the people are getting the messages. And a lot of children tell me this is their favorite book, which is funny. A, a book about safety. Why would that be a favorite book? Because they, they love these guidelines. They want to know what to do in life. And it's, it's never set out that clearly. So like you said, these are conversation starters. Sometimes a parent doesn't know how to bring the subject up with a child. You sit there, you're reading it together, and that's what gets the conversation started. And you wouldn't believe the amount of children that have confided to their parents that they were molested after they read this book, while they're reading the book, because they weren't even aware of what had been happening to them until the book is discussed with the parent. It's, it's so important to teach these concepts to children. Um, and another book I have is Let's Appreciate Everyone. This is teaching about disabilities. The loneliest children in the world are the children with disabilities. This, why, and the, the children that don't have disabilities no one ever explained to them how to interact with a child, another child with disabilities. So when you get the guidelines, then you feel more comfortable interacting. They and children love to learn these things. So, so that's what I'm explaining here. And what one of the main things is that when a child sees a child with a physical disability, there are many invisible disabilities. But when you see a child with a visible disability, they naturally stare and they're curious. The book explains, think of another five letter word that also begins with the letter S, like stare, that word is smile. If you add your smile, in addition to staring, it changes everything and you create a connection. So that's an example of, yeah. And that also, parents can learn from this as well, as you kind of mentioned earlier. You know, these books aren't just for children, they're for parents as well, because you gave a great example about a toddler, you know, my daughter, when she was young, she had an incident where I had to hop over a swimming pool fence and get her from the bottom of a, an eight foot pool. Oh. So I definitely understand that. Mm. And the idea of always staying within arm's length. And that may not even be, uh, that may be for toddlers, but even kids who are, you know, seven, 10, 12, 14, at least still being within eyesight of these yes. individuals, why they're enjoying the pool and, and those in a circumstances. Exactly. Never take your eyes off. There has to be adult supervision. Exactly. Even when children know how to swim, yes. don't take that for granted. We've got to have adult supervision. And yes. it has to be engaged. Uh, 
parents as well. It just can't be I'm around the kids or I'm chatting with people or I'm on the phone scrolling through social media exactly. or something like that. You have to be engaged and understand that you're participating in this event as well. Exactly. So these books obviously are changing the way that we see literature. They're changing the lives of children. You're impacting, you're, you're doing things that are meaningful. I'm going back to the pleasure ladder here. It has to be a very high level of significance, knowing that you're affecting kids in Africa and Europe and Asia and all over the world here, even here domestically in the United States as well. But the idea that you are able to show love physically, meaningfully, you know, transcendingly. I don't even know what these are words. These are <laughs> words, right? But taking very difficult concepts that you've learned in, at Harvard as an undergraduate, even in medical school, and translating them to easy-to-understand concepts. And one thing I do want to touch is that God doesn't make things complicated. You said that God is not a God of confusion. So what that means is that, yes, these are very difficult com you know, conversations to have, Yes, they're very complex ideas, but they can be shared easily that even a child can understand it and put inside yes. a book, read, shared, and they can grow. Like I said, these are conversation starters. These are not conversation enders. So I encourage all my listeners to continue these conversations as they get older and use this as a base to say, remember, we talked about swimming. Now we're going to talk about, you know, when you're, you are able to swim, where am I going to be? You know, how are we going to stay safe? Let's make Beautiful. another transition here because I want to take the mental aspect because you brought up a good point about the disabilities that are visible and disabilities that are not visible in your book, right? Let's accept everybody. I want to talk about the invisible disability that many of us have, which is this self-destructive impulse to talk very negatively um, about ourselves. And how can we use this technique for our own benefit? So we talked about that inner voice that comes from God. We talked about lifting up, but can we dig a little bit deeper and give the listener some of these techniques that they can use to alleviate some of the self-destructive impulse, or like I said before, use it for their benefit? Exactly. That's, it's so many people feel unworthy today. They go around with a, they have a critical voice in their head putting themselves down all the time, right? Wherever this comes from, from having a childhood where people were putting them down or whatever it is, you know? And what happens, oh, this is, an, this is a neat thing. This is, this, is, this is our soul. Our soul is shining, right? It's always shining. But what happens, like, we, we, as we go through trauma, we go through neglect, we go through criticism, we, we put layers on top of that shining soul. So we don't even realize we're shining anymore. We don't even feel it. We don't even see the beauty within us. It, it, we get covered up. How do we remove these layers on top of us? Because the, the soul is still shining. We just don't see it. How do we do that? There's two ways. One is by filling our lives up with gratitude. That's it. One by one, experiencing the pleasure, mindfully experiencing, not taking it for granted, experiencing the pleasure of an orange. Just think, as you, as you mindfully eat the orange, you're thinking, this was made with loving kindness for me to enjoy. I am here to enjoy this world. You are reprogramming yourself, you're nourishing yourself and you, how you nourish the soul is through gratitude. That's what gets it shining stronger. And it gets from that heat, you can peel off the layers, you can start throwing off these protections that you've put on yourself, these layers. So the other thing is that sometimes when you've been through a lot of trauma in your childhood, you can't always do it by yourself. So you have to be nourishing your soul with gratitude. You might need support. You might need a coach. You might need therapy. You might need love from another family member, somebody that could help you be a support to you in helping to remove all these layers so that you can feel your soul shining again. So you need to do both. If you're getting that support at the same time, 
also be nourishing, nourishing that wonderful soul of yours with all these experiences of gratitude. Each time you practice gratitude, you are nourishing your hungry soul that is as pure and beautiful as it ever was. So how do we, how do we engage this voice, right? This voice that says, uh, you know what, all this sounds good, but I'm still going to eat a little bit more cake or I'll just have another slice or I'll just, I won't go to church today or to the synagogue. I, you know, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going to go. So what are some techniques that we can actually use that voice for our benefit? Great. I, the, the things that I still ask myself, if I feel like overeating, I say to myself, is it my body that's hungry or my soul? It's just that I want more pleasure in my life. There's other ways to get pleasure besides continuing to eat the whole pizza. And then I remember all the different ways. You know what I mean? I think about, I could just open the window, feel the sunshine, step outside, send a text message to someone I appreciate. I could do anything on here, but the funniest thing is that you don't even have to do the things just by thinking about the fact that you could do so many other things that what that's what gets you to stop wanting to finish the whole bag of potato chips finish that whole container of ice cream you don't need it anymore the minute you recognize that it's pleasure you want not the ice cream and so in other words identify what brings you more pleasure than this ice cream and on, on my 600 pound life on that show, they all say the only thing that brings me pleasure anymore is eating. That's what we want to overcome. Pour the pleasure into your life, pour in the joy. What does that mean? Be grateful. It doesn't mean, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. No, it means being grateful for what you already have in your life. You can go exercise, stretch, turn on music, go out into nature. You have all these things. Just fill your life and you'll notice that there are so many other pleasures. That's what gets us unstuck from an addiction that we have. That is, I love you as a guest. You know that so much. I get so much inspiration from you. Um, I'm getting chill bumps, like little <laughs> chill bumps from listening to you. And I hope my listeners do too. This concept came and I, I don't even know how to really say this. Focus. So that little voice that tells you, oh, you should overeat or you don't have enough pleasure. Bring that voice out. Tell it, stop being a coward and come out. Stop whispering to me and bring it out. So they say you should have a little bit of cake. Why are you saying this to me? Defend yourself. Why should I have some cake? Why should I eat some more? And you're, you're like, well, I don't know. Now you, you, you brought this devil out of the shadows and exposed it because devils don't want to be exposed. They want to whisper to you. They want to hint at what you're doing. Exactly. This don't read this book is written by that voice. The voice is saying, don't read this book or you're going to learn my tricks. So here's the tricks. You learn the tricks and you can use those voices tricks to do the opposite. Just have a little piece of cake. So you go, OK, I'm just going to stretch a little bit. I'm not going to get out of bed yet. I'll just stretch a little bit. Oh, that feels good. I'll stretch a little more. And you start moving. And this you're using the same tricks that it uses on you once right. you become aware of it for the same benefit. And it tells you, you'll be happy. If you just get this, then you'll be happy. You go, oh, it's that voice again. I'm happy with what I have right now. Yes. Because if you're not grateful for what you have right now, and you get what you think will make you happy, it's not going to last long. Nope. You're not going to be grateful for it for long. Oh my gosh, I, this, I never showed this. This is the value of something. Before you have it, it's a huge value. When you have it, it's like this. And after you lose it, it's gigantic again. <laughs> yes. So that's it. Appreciate what you have when you have it. That's a life of joy. Yeah, we, we it's called prospect theory, where we have a greater magnitude of losses than we do for the same amount of gain. If you lose $20, then you feel way more pain 
than you do if you gain twenty dollars. Somebody gave you twenty, like, oh, thank you, that's great. But if you lose twenty dollars, you're looking around the house all day. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I could have bought food with this money. I don't know how I'm going to live. <laughs> so that is a great example. But yeah, exposing those demons and having them explain themselves and justify this suggestion. I think too many times we allow suggestions to come into our minds without justifying them or making them justify themselves in our minds. So it's like, oh, I, I really want that. Well, why do you want that? Do you want it because you want attention? Do you want that because you want people to look at you better? Is yeah. you, Do you have low self-esteem? You yeah. know, do you think that buying this jewelry or these clothes are going to make people think that you're wealthy when you're not? Or are you, yeah. do you feel that if you had some more money, then people will respect you and your job and things of that nature? I had a post um, real, real briefly, um, I had a post talking about we shouldn't lead with our job titles because when people lead with their job titles, they're really saying, I want the appreciation and the respect that comes with that title, which is earned by people who didn't even know that title existed. <laughs> so if you get, um, we call it connotations, but certain titles have certain connotations. Some people call themselves CEOs. It's, well, that's the chief executive officer. But if you don't have a C-suite, if you're not in a corporation, technically you're not a CEO, you're technically an owner or you're a founder. But CEO has a great connotation to it. So people try to use it. So what I tell people, leave with what you do. So you, you inspire children and you inspire parents to have difficult conversations about life lessons that may be difficult, but you make them easy. I can leave what you're uh, an author. That's fine. And that's very prestigious. But what you do means more because that's what Braca does. Same thing with me. I help Christians and people of faith steward God's wealth that's aligned with biblical principles because, you know, they got the hands of people who are going to rip them off or don't have the best intentions or are filled with greed. So it's it's more than just being a financial advisor. So I love this idea of learning the tricks of that small voice and using it for your best interest so you can use it, stretch a little bit more earn a little bit more, give a little bit more, love a little bit more, instead of eating more, instead of binging more, instead of spreading hate more or, or, or you know, uh, writing mean comments on the internet. How about you spread more good comments? Say, hey, I'm going to make five great comments today. You know, <laughs> you know let's do that. So, so Braca, once again, I love you as a guest. I want to give you an opportunity to talk about where people can, can, can talk to you more or where they can get some of your books or they can engage with you. Obviously they can listen to some of our old episodes uh, with you, but I want to know what you're doing now that they can reach out and talk to you. Yeah. I, I heard on another podcast you gave recently that um, I want to encourage people, you know, if you don't have the money, it's good to have my books because children reread and reread. It's good to have them. But if you don't have the money, you can go, like you said, to the public library and get them to order the books, which also spreads the messages out into the world. So that's also great. And either way, my children created this amazing website, getsbookshop.com. So they love for you to go there. You could also go to Amazon, but they love if you go to their website. <laughs> and um, it's, it's just really good. It has all this stuff on it. Oh. And now it has, they made an amazing um, chart for the pleasure ladder, which you can download. You could put it on your fridge awesome. or your cupboard. So um, when you feel like overeating, you could think of all the other things that you could do instead, you know, all the other pleasures you could bring into your life as well. Uh, yeah. That's beautiful. Put it on the refrigerator, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> print it out and put it on the refrigerator. Well, Bracca, thank you so much for being a, a guest on our show. You are always welcome to come onto our platform if there's any <laughs> new thing that's going on in your life because you always bring a wealth of knowledge that not only affect children, but affect adults. So if you've listened to this episode, you've really gotten a strong feeling that even though we talked about children's books, you as a parent, as the listener, probably got a lot of valuable information that you can use as well. And that's the power of Bracca right then and there where she can empower parents and children at the exact same time. Did we use $100 words? No. 
Did we talk about difficult technicalities of health and what a calorie is and basal metabolic rate and, and all those other things as far as neat and non-exercise activity, thermogenesis? No, we didn't talk about those type of things. What did we talk about? Staying away from soda, brushing your teeth, learning privacy, respecting other people, gratitude, pleasure, all those things that we all can relate to on a human level. You know, she is Harvard educated. Uh, I've just finished a course at Yale University. We can make it complex, but why? Because we are trying to touch as many people as possible and not trying to make ourselves feel good for being a certain level of education or whatnot. So I want you to take this, make it as simple as possible. I want you to share it. I want you to talk to your friends about it. I want you to get some feedback because just the pleasure ladder itself is worth the listen. Now you've invested 30, 45 minutes into hearing us. What I want to encourage you to do is take another 10, 15 minutes to apply it. It's great. The feel goods that you have right now, perfect. I'm glad that you have them, but we have to act. You know, we can't read these books and don't encourage the children to act. You know, God made word flesh. So he spoke and then it manifested. God said, let there be light. And then there was light. There was an action. God didn't say, let there be light. And he's like, I'm gonna do that tomorrow. And then we're going to create the world and some animals. And then some, what else are we going to create? People. He didn't do that. He spoke and then he actioned. And he looked back and he said, this is good. And why did he say this is good and not great? Because God is great. His creations are good. And just like Bracca, Bracca is great. Her creations are good. Her books are good. So what I want you to do, go to her website, Gets is G-O-E-T-Z. You can Google her. She's been on all types of podcasts. She has all types of online presence. So just type her name in. I'm sure you're going to hear one of her amazing episodes that she's been traveling with. Um, Brock, is there anything else that you want to say before we leave today? I'm, I am so grateful to God that I have been blessed to connect with you. I, you're one of the most, if not the most amazing person I've <laughs> met through all these podcasts. I am so thrilled the way you resonate with all these ideas and everything that you're doing in this world to make it better. I'm just so happy to be a part of this. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you've been blessed. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, to comment, and to share. Also, if you're not subscribed to our podcast, go to www.abrwealthmanagement.com backslash podcast and join our family. And as a thank you, we have a special gift that you can download for free. We are looking for some more show ideas. So be sure to send us an email at info at abrwealthmanagement.com and let us know what you want to hear about. Or maybe there's a special guest that you want to hear more from. If you need help building your financial plan or want a Christian financial advisor to help you be a better steward of God's wealth, information to speak with us will be given right after the show. Well, I am A.B. Ridgeway, Mr. Christian Finance himself, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing.